0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Nothing But Locks Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, and once again joined by my favorite coworker, Robert Kowalski. Robert, how are you doing today?
1: Ali, I'm great. I'm I'm sorry I still didn't bring any imaging with me, like a cowbell or some kind of buzzer for uh for sounds and effects. But uh, you know what? We're just gonna go ahead and do it anyway.
0: Yeah, and I'm not gonna waste <laughs> any time here. I'm gonna get right into it. So I know I'm gonna diverge a little bit from our agenda I have lined up for us, but I'm going to start with uh, our region by region breakdown with the sweet 16 and the lead eight, but we're going to go straight to the West uh, region and let's hear what you got to say uh, on a, on, we'll play Allie, where Ali and Robert were right and where we were wrong. Uh, I'll let you take this away. What happened to Duke? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mean uh, Gonzaga?
0: Oh man. Yeah. I was reading Duke. But yes, well, we'll go for both. But yes, what happened with Gonzaga?
1: Just sadness. <laughs> Just I look, it, for as consistent as, as models can be, they're never foolproof. You know, I, I've had every single chart pointing towards this is it. This is the year. Barking nonstop for I don't know how many episodes, how great this program was. And they got beat. They got beat by a Razorback team that, well, I mean, you know, to be honest, they they played, you know, at, at a pretty brisk pace. Uh, you know, they, Arkansas didn't get to the line as much, you know, despite that being a big strength for them this season. And it didn't matter because Gonzaga, they shot so poorly from long range. You know, both of them had top 15 defenses in, in the league. We talked about that. The game stayed way under the posted total from a gambling perspective by 13. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we could just look at it as, you know, they they ended the campaign, Gonzaga did, three and three straight up, you know, and against the spread against teams from major conferences. You know, if you want to include Memphis as a major conference caliber, you know, it's not unreasonable with their late form. You know, there are four and three straight up, but three and four against the spread. I think that honestly, you know, and I touched on it you know, last week I, I just was thinking that maybe if I could see them playing very well against Arkansas, then we could say that they're getting to championship form. But no, I think they peaked in early to mid-February because then they finished their last team, last 10 games, one, seven, and two against the spread.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I watched the game and from the beginning it looked like Gonzaga was just not there. We can talk about all their turnovers. I think they had something like 15 turnovers. Yes. Chet Holmgren really couldn't get going. He was just always in foul trouble. Drew Timmy just kept on turning the ball over. So they never found their groove. And I felt like that the whole tournament uh, from the first game when they struggled uh, against Georgia State until there was about, what, 10 minutes to go in the second half. Right. So they never, like you said, they never got going. And I didn't fall victim to the Gonzaga trap this year, but I think this was one of the more disappointing Gonzaga failures to advance anywhere. What do you think? Yeah.
1: No, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, shame on me. Never again. <laughs> There's just so much parity right now. And, and, and for me to state that, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I think that the program is incredible. I think that what they do is, is amazing. It's just that, you know, they're just not championship caliber. That's all. It's, it's nothing against them. It's just, they, they, they weren't playing championship caliber basketball at the end. And, you know, here, here, where you know, here's where it was at. Eventually they, they, you know, ran into a team that despite them playing a, uh, a, a bulldog type pace, you know, they still got beat at them.
0: Yeah. And it was a shame because like you said, Out of all the past Gonzaga teams, I think this one was up there with the ones that had the most potential to reach the finals. It's just for me, and we were talking about this a little last week, is it their lack of strength of schedule? Is it just the region that they play in, just not playing your your top tier teams? Because, I mean, they played Duke earlier in the year, a loss to them given. But I don't know what you do about this program because it's just a constant disappointment once it becomes March Madness.
1: Right, right. I, I just think, honestly, look, their scores are, are excellent. They just need more. They really do. And, and we saw how, um, how lacking it was when Holmgren got into foul trouble. Then it became, basically became a two-person game, and uh, there, there wasn't going to be much that they could do about it.
0: Right. And then let's move on to the team that ended up winning the region in Duke, which I accidentally uh, compared to Gonzaga before. Um, But I mean, if you want to talk about St. Peter's aside, a team that has surprised me this tournament, Duke is right up there. I had them losing in my bracket to Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. It looked pretty much until the final minutes that Duke was going to lose to Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. And they just came back and, took the lead what do you
1: think of that game yeah exactly very poised uh and it was up until the final moments this was a a coin flip game which you know again from a betting perspective i closed the game pick uh it was it was definitely a good line you know duke just did very well you know in in pretty much all all points i've got i had them shooting 60 percent uh from twos uh seven of 19 from three uh, free throws, 15 out of 17 to everything was there. I mean they, they got out rebounded by Texas Tech 33 to 28. Turnovers were pretty tight, just you know, a, a very poised program and they managed to do you know what they needed to do late to hold on and win the game. I think honestly, if you had to point towards anything, again, it's, it's just knowing that you could rely on them to hit free throws, which is yep. it's, it's a downfall of so many programs, but you know they did it, they were there.
0: Yeah. And it really was like the final two, three minutes of the game, I think. And Texas Tech just was prone to mistakes. They had a bunch of costly turnovers. It seemed like they were just throwing up the ball at the end. And then on Duke's side, you know, you had Vanchero was unstoppable. Jeremy Roach really stepped up to the plate. So this was a team. It's like, I was, I felt like I was like, I feel like I'm, I missed Duke's peak. Because then I went back and looked at their schedule and they were number one at one point at the beginning of the season where people still aren't totally your average public watching all the games because still, it's still football season. Um, so people aren't as tuned into March, um, not March, Man, it's just NCAA basketball in general. But this team, when it plays at its peak, I'm like, this is a number one seeded team. They really look great. And it's not just because it's Coach K's last season. If their guys play up to their potential and they really come together, they're just as consistent as a team like Arkansas.
1: You know, no doubt, no doubt about that, right? And they did everything that you expect uh, a championship-caliber program to do. You you tinker a bit. You know, at the start, you get everyone some minutes, and and you know, get them, you know, an opportunity to go and produce. Uh, you know, but at the end, you know, once you get towards you know championship week. You pretty much figure out who your your roster is going to be. Some go eight deep, some go six. Uh and, and those that find that sweet spot that you know you could rely on, and that those are the ones that end up in the final four, much yeah. like Duke.
0: Yeah. And then even though even before tip off of the Arkansas game, I didn't think the Razorbacks had a shot against Duke. What about you?
1: No, no, I I, I didn't know. <laughs> I guess I was kind of still stunned by the fact that <laughs> that they beat yeah. Uh, Gonzaga, but yeah, no, when we take a look at how, uh, how the West was won, uh, Duke did beat them as a four point favorite, uh, outshot them on two point shooting 58 to 48%. Again, great free throw shooting by Arkansas. They were perfect from the line, 11 of 11. Yep. Just, Duke got to the line more. They hit 16 out of 18. Uh, Trey accuracy was 40% to 30 in favor of Duke, out rebounded them pretty significantly, 34 to 25. Uh, and then to me, I just saw Duke just being far more stronger inside the arc,
0: you mm-hmm. know,
1: winning on, um, you know, the scoring of the ones and twos by a 66 to 51 uh, count. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how that whole entire region was won.
0: Yeah, and th- I mean, they, like you said, their offensive efficiency was unmatched. They only shot right. 10 three-pointers, made four of them for 40%. But they really seem like a team that came together when it counted. And I don't know if that is to rally because it's Coach Cage's final season, where they just all decided to step up to the plate because this isn't a young team. I mean, they're, they're full of veteran guys, Banchero's what a junior. Uh, I think Roach is a sophomore. So these are, these aren't just your full freshman teams that are one and done. So they have what it takes. Um, Or I think, you know, they just came out at the right time. So I don't want to press on this too much because we're going to get to our final four breakdowns, but then let's go to, we'll move on to the East because they're at the same side of the bracket as duke i can't believe i didn't put more faith into my tar heels and i always say this when i don't pick my tar heels to go anywhere they go right to the championship when they played villanova a few years ago i think i had them losing in the second or third round and then they go all the way and win so it's one of those things this is why i never bet against or bet for my teams but talk about a team peaking at the right time and that's unc What's your
1: thoughts on them? They, they definitely are. They're, they're absolutely in form. And I think that if we take a look at how, well, okay, so Allie, mm-hmm. perhaps now that you are West Coast, uh, were you <laughs> inspired by the Bruins a little bit more than, than normal? I, I, I Look, nothing against UCLA. Again, we talked about how great a program they are, you know, but in the end, they, they couldn't close the Tar Heels uh, you know, ended up closing the game on a 12-2 run against mm-hmm. UCLA. Uh, the two-point shooting, I thought, was you know, right down the middle. They did hit 10 of 31. 10 of 31, my God, that's an awful lot of three-pointers. But yeah. in, in any case, UNC, 10 of 31 from three against 5 of 14 for UCLA. Free throws, they hit 9 out of 12 to 5 out of 8 and definitely out-rebounded very, very well uh, 43 to 34. So, and then on top of that, uh, you know, they played it at UCLA's really slower pace. So I think the only thing I can look at here is the fact that if you dig a little bit deeper into the box score and see 15 offensive rebounds to extend those possessions, that's how they won this game.
0: Yeah. And I know going into this game, one of UCLA stars, Jack I think he had been injured this the game before, and he didn't look on 100%. I'm looking at the box now. He really only shot five for 18 from the field. Uh, I don't want to just pin it on one player. But UCLA, they just didn't seem like they came out swinging. They seemed lackluster at times, especially in the second half. They really had a shot to pull away from UNC, I thought. And we just let the Tar Heels back in. I wouldn't say that my West Coast bias now of watching them had really affected it because I still do think they are one of the top teams and we see just a Tar Heels team like we were saying earlier that peaked at the right time sure they had a disappointing run in the ACC tournament but let's not forget they spoiled Coach K's final regular season game at Duke they scored 91 points in that game like that, that's that, right
1: that's that's on the road or
0: 93 well not- something like that it's like ridiculous amount So I think they just came around at the right time and went, like you said, they made 10 three-pointers. So when you can hit, you're not, you're just not stopping a team like that. And UCLA just simply didn't have enough efficiency on offense to keep up. And this is a team, not only, like I said, did they beat Duke, but they upset Baylor as a number one seed. They really made St. Peter's for the first time in the tournament look like they were a team that was a 15 seat No other team did that uh, from Kentucky or Purdue. So, I think UCLA just got overplayed by North Carolina. And at this point, you know, looking at the region, there was no one that played better this entire this entire tournament in that region than North Carolina and they s- deserved to win 100%. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and we'll touch on that in the final four breakdown. I completely agree with you that they they they're probably in absolute top, top form among all four remaining schools.
0: Yeah. And then I think before we move on to the next region, um, I do want to give a shout out to St. Peter's because I'm actually working from New Jersey this weekend, visiting my family with my daughter. And when I landed in Jersey on Saturday night, everywhere was just Peacock pride. Everyone was so happy that St. Peter's was making a run. And truth be told, no one really thought they had a chance against UNC. There was those that had hope, but everyone was rallying around this team, and whenever you get a double-digit seed to go as far as the Elite A team, you got to give them props, but you've never seen a 15-feet seed go that that far. And just in the way they won, they really beat some top-tier teams in Purdue, especially in Kentucky in the first round. So I think we both have to give a shout out to that team because they played their heart out the whole tournament. And that's really what March Madness is about. You see these kids that this is their final game they're ever going to play in their professional careers. They don't have an NBA future, not even NBA G League. Maybe some of them might go and try to play internationally. But this is what you love to see about March Madness. They just played their hearts out. And it was a shame that their run came to an end. But what a Cinderella story it was.
1: That's the definition of it. And actually, this is what I always root for. I and mean, we actually you know, talked about that, you know, just, just finding the dogs and just backing them. St. Peter, you know, I mean, to me, St. Peter's, that's probably the best story. I mean, you know, remember when, this is a while back, but you remember when Leicester City won the English premiership a few oh, yeah. years yeah. ago?
0: Yeah,
1: It's kind of like, could, if imagine if St. Peter's actually won the whole thing it's probably going to be like, it would have been the greatest story. I mean, as it is, it's an amazing story, but it would have been the greatest sports story. I think that you could put down among all of them, like legendary stories of how they are coming out and just fearless, fearless against anyone that they're playing. It doesn't matter what the matchup was. They just went in playing with house money. Uh, and, and, you know, again, you, know, you look at how they stunned Purdue. They did it. They hit their free throws 19 of 21 from the line. they, they just did really, really well. Played great fundamental basketball. Uh, you know, didn't turn the ball over. Hit their free throws. Eh, look, eventually, you know, you play North Carolina. It was never a game, you know, and, and just, just basically the way it was. It just, it, it just never, they never got anywhere close. And it was wow. over, you know, pretty much five minutes in, I saw. But I still think it was an, a fantastic story. Uh, and so now we could take a look at how, uh, they can, you know, enjoy the fruits of this. I-, I honestly hope that, uh, you know, St. Peter's, which by the way, I think I read it, but I couldn't confirm it. I heard that they had to get approval for like a thousand dollar travel stipend
0: for, for the, the last way.
1: match just to get to play to Purdue, which is sad. Uh, but you know, Hey, you know, now uh, let's hope that that never happens again for this program. And uh, I hope to see them, you know, play, uh, you know, in next year's tournament.
0: Yeah, and this is one of the things, just to make a final note, uh, I hope the NCAA committee really takes notice of this. And when we talk about why, like, for a team, say, as Michigan, we didn't think really belong there, even though they went on to the Sweet 16. But I really think they need to take more look at these mid-major schools because these are the teams, they're not on national television all year, they're not the best team whatsoever, but they're scrappy, they're feisty, and they'll come out and they'll play their best ball. And they're not looking forward to, oh, well, I'm going to get drafted in a few weeks. So I got to really watch my body and everything. They're just playing with passion and love of the game. And I really hope the committee does take notice of this. And we do get more mid-major teams. Because like you said, this was truly a David versus Goliath story. We've seen in the past other 14, 15 seeds just defeat their team that they played in the first round. And by the second round, they're already out. But they dragged this all the way to the lead eight. It was shades of Loyola Chicago from a few years ago when they made the Final Four. Your right. first real Cinderella story with George Mason. So I really would like to see more of these mid-major schools make the tournament.
1: I agree. Yeah, let's let's not, you know, let's not just go ahead and dump in nine uh, programs from the Big Ten just because. I completely agree with you.
0: Yeah. Well, let's move on to the other side of the bracket and we'll start with the South region. So where Allie was right, as opposed to, I went against my bracket and I <laughs> predicted that Houston would upset Arizona, but then they went on to the elite eight and they, what happened to them in your eyes versus Villanova? I mean, to only score 44 points and shoot as terribly as they did, uh, what do you think happened?
1: This is easy. Um, and again, I, I, I had a feeling we, you know, we discussed, how and in what ways they could beat Arizona. Uh, I I think you just look at one thing. When Villanova upset Houston, I mean, Houston scored 44 points. There's 40 minutes in the game. Yeah. (laughs) They shot one of 20 from three-point range. That's historically abysmal. Historically. You know, 9 of 14 from the free throw line didn't help. You know, um, Villanova, well, they did Villanova, uh, 15 out of 15 from the line.
0: That's a difference.
1: Uh, yeah, that, and exactly it. You know, so UH, they went on scoring on the ones and twos by a 41 to 35 count. Super slow pace in the game. I just think that a game where everyone would have been talking about how poorly Villanova played, honestly, scoring right. 50 points with 15 of 52 from the floor. You know, if, if Houston had nailed a normal percentage of their bombs, I guess just a credit to both defenses, you know, plus, you know, again, the free throw fundamentals on Villanova, um, you know, that was a six point scoreboard difference. It, it, again, I just one of 20, I just was saying to myself, man, this is, this is really, really bad. They're, they're not going to win this game. There's no way.
0: I mean, that game was unwatchable. I, I couldn't <laughs> even – it was truly unwatchable, just throwing up bricks and everything. At one point, I'm like, they need to just stop taking threes. Why are they taking all these threes? They're not hitting any of them. And no. they just kept taking threes, taking threes. And if you score – if you score 50 points in a game, you lose that game.
1: You have so to lose have that, that game.
0: That, Villanova won that – like, this, they're not playing Virginia. The, the Virginia team's have passed that won the national championship – they're playing Houston and they score 50 points and win the game. Like you don't win that game. And then they, of course, we'll get into later. They lost Justin Moore. So that might go their hopes of reaching the finals again, but Villanova, if you were to tell me they were going to win, win that region, I would have said no way, not over Arizona, not even over Houston. I just, I think they got lucky this whole tournament. You know, they got to play Michigan in the sweet Sixteen which you and I both agreed we didn't like even Michigan being in the tournament in general. Right. But for that, you know, I'm looking at the South region again, again, Houston, Arizona, I would have put them both over Villanova. I would have picked Tennessee over Villanova and my bracket actually had them over Villanova. Tennessee obviously got upset by Michigan, but I think Villanova is lucky to be where they are.
1: That they are. Uh yeah, and, and let's just let's get this one out of the way. I've been far, far more wrong than I've been right this whole entire tournament.
0: I mean, tournament.
1: I'm right with you. I, so- I, had, I had Tennessee winning the region. You know, it, look, as, as it is, you know, we could look back and, you know, I'm just pointing a, a line graph right through Villanova's, you know, missed trays, you know, and all the possessions that they've been having. So their efficiency has gone, you know, way south. But, you know, uh, I, I honestly think that Houston, this was Houston's, game. They should have won this one. Uh, I just, I just, I, I never, I've never seen one for 20, not, not on this stage.
0: No. And, and they took care of Arizona. Like that wasn't a close game, Arizona and Houston. They played Arizona. I don't know if it's maybe they played Arizona with all their hearts and they just had nothing left against the Villanova with the quick, you know, 48 hour turnaround. But that, I just didn't know what I was watching in that game. I was like, this is like watching a high school basketball game. Not an elite eight matchup, but we'll move on to the Midwest because I know both you and I do want to get into the final four. That's really what everyone wants to hear. And we'll just quickly say, I think this has been the most boring region of the tournament. I mean, you have Kansas, Providence, Iowa State and Miami. That was your elite eight matchups. I can't think of more boring teams to watch. (laughs) <laughs> so I wasn't really paying attention to any of those games. I mean, I watched the box score. I kind of switched channels here and there, but is Kansas not the most boring number one seed or what?
1: Yeah. Super yawn. Uh, I, I look, I don't know if this is they're doing, uh, you know, I, again, I, when I looked at the bracket lay itself out, I, I thought that this was Kansas's region to win, you know, for fun. Uh, and, and I just didn't see the value in, in Providence at all. Uh, and, and you know, they, they went on and beat them. It, I mean, it, was, it wasn't as close uh, as the box score reads. Ultimately, uh, you know, both of them shot horrendously, you know, when Kansas played Providence.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Four
1: of 23 to two of 15. Uh, you know, they couldn't even cover their point spread at their own preferred pace. So... I get then again, I guess if you're, you're shooting two out of 15 on the threes, you know, it's, it's tough to cover chalk, uh, but it was, it was sloppy. And, and I don't think that uh, it's indicative of their top form either, you know, and look, and then they went on to beat Miami, man, it's just one of the easiest paths to the yeah. final four. You know, they had edges across the board against Miami, obviously, you know, the second half was just, you know, a total blowout. They outscored Miami 47 to 15 You know, rebounds were big because Miami just kept missing threes, and that's like virtual turnovers. So you know, onwards to Villanova. You know, and and again, I I I still think that Kansas has the player of the year. I think that they showed off, you know, quite a bit in that second half. But you know, I where where I think that they're in in top form, probably not. You know, but they didn't have to be in top form to win this regionally.
0: No, and they got away with not having to play Iowa. They got away with not having to play Wisconsin. And especially because they got away with not having to play Auburn. So they literally walked this way through. And I think we said in our March Madness preview a few weeks back, both you and I thought Providence wasn't even deserving of a number four seed. You know, we equated them to UCLA. And the fact that they were both number four seeds were like, that just doesn't make any sense. So I really think Kansas had the luckiest path out of any other team to the final four which that's actually a great segue to our final four preview because now I think they're even luckier and I mentioned it earlier that Villanova just lost Justin Moore to injury so they have an even luckier route to now getting to the finals so let me get your first thoughts about this matchup
1: right so if we take a look at the game we opened Kansas uh, as a four-point favorite uh, the total was set to 133 points. And uh, a couple of key factors went into that because you look at 133 and boy, is that low? Uh, you know, but we were, we're looking at how the pace of these two programs are. And that, that's how we come to a far lower total than in the other side of the final four, uh, four became four and a half. Uh, and, and that's pretty much where it's locked into. So Uh, Jayhawks four and a half and a half and one thirty three is, is where we're at from an opening odds perspective, Kansas at this point. uh, And again, it's still pretty early in the, uh, in in wagering, but Kansas at this point has 75% wagers of all tickets uh, and 82% of all the money on the point spreads. And so right. And then that's where we're at, you know, from, you know, from the uh, odds perspective and, and where we're at there.
0: Yeah. And I wrote, I actually wrote my picks already and published them yesterday for the block. So spoiler alert, but we're talking about this anyway. And <laughs> I have Villanova covering. I, I would gladly take the four points with Villanova because I think at times Kansas, they don't blow anyone out. They, they, like we just, just saw in their Providence game, you know, 66-61, the final, they just don't blow anyone out. And I still think Villanova behind Colin Gillespie, they have, they don't have a lot of depth, but they have enough on, their starting lineup that they can keep the game close. And I just don't think Kansas is this stellar team. That's just going to run away with the game early and have Villanova in the books by halftime. So me personally, I'm taking Villanova with the points. I don't know if they'll edge it out. I do think it's going to be a low scoring game. Uh, the, the pace, I think it's going to be a slower pace game, but I'm, I'm back in Villanova with the points. I'd like to see Villanova win because I'm a big Jay Wright fan. And I just don't, I just don't like Kansas, <laughs> but, uh, I will definitely back the Wildcats to cover and I still have the Jayhawks winning though. What do you beg you?
1: Right. So let's take a look at this from Justin Moore's perspective. Who's Justin Moore, right? And So he was clearly a, a key rotational player, right. uh, for Villanova. He got his ACL blown out. Uh, actually not his, his Achilles, which, mm-hmm. ouch, uh, you know, when, when you, tear that, you're you're probably not going to be seen from on on a court for another year, you know, no matter how great the medical technology is today. So, uh, you know, he's he's actually number one in in minutes played per game at 34.6. The guard averaged almost 15 points a game, four rebounds, right? And he's shooting 35% of his threes and 75% from the line. So you'd say to yourself, wow, that's really, really significant. That's somebody that we would want. Uh, and, and if without him, you know, obviously it's going to be a, a ton more pressure on Colin Gillespie, uh, Jermaine Samuels to carry the load on the offense. However, so I dig a little bit deeper. When Moore's not in the game this year, Villanova actually outscores opponents 17 versus 13 points uh-huh. per game, right? So now the overall adjustment is about plus or minus a half. Okay. When more is in the game, there are less turnovers. So, if you look at it, it's really not that much of a miss. Uh, you know, he, he's probably going to be, you know, replaced by other um, other forwards and guards that could come in and, and contribute. I still think, like you're right. I still think Kansas is four still four points better. You know, look, Houston was better, right? Right? You know, they lost again because of their bad three point shooting. I'd have to say I would probably take the points as well. One thing that did jump out to me, I know we we talked a little bit about the total, about the the slower pace in the game, but my math says this falls somewhere closer to like 137 total points, 136 and a half. So if if I had a lean, uh, it would be over the total of 133.
0: See, I I would think it would be a lot higher total than what was set. So I would probably side with you on the over just because whatever I think and Vegas thinks are usually the opposite. So (laughs) let me go side with Vegas on that one. Uh, But the fact that, like you said, that Kansas is getting so much of the action and the line really hasn't moved to me. That's that just spells a Villanova cover. So I'm hoping the Wildcats will go ahead and cover but I actually won't be shocked if they pull out the win because we've seen Kansas disappoint on the stage and they really haven't the whole entire tournament played a team. That's even Villanova's caliber. In my opinion, Villanova took care of Providence. So I don't, I don't put them in the same category. So I think that maybe Kansas could fall flat. What about you?
1: I do think, I do think so. I, again, the, the number on the spread is close on, uh, I I still see a cover from, from Villanova. Again, I I don't think that they're going to miss more as much. Uh, But um, if I had a lean from a betting perspective, it would be on over the total alley.
0: Got it. All right. So we both like Villanova to cover. Uh, We both like the over. So let's move on to the other matchup. Probably. I think this is going to be by far ratings wise, the most watched game of the tournament. You got the most storied rivalry. In all of the NCAA basketball history, Duke and UNC meet again. In Coach K's final season, the only thing missing from this story that would have made it even juicier is if Roy Williams waited another year to retire with UNC, and we had both of those storied coaches retiring at the same time. But me personally, as a UNC fan, you couldn't script a better Final Four matchup for me, like I said, unless it was Roy Williams coaching. but. As much as I love my tar heels, it just seems like the basketball gods are coming together. And this is Coach K's year. What about you? What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, this this, this is quite the matchup. Opening odds, we said Duke as a four-point favorite. It's still sitting there at four. The total of 151 hasn't budged either. So equal action on both sides. If you look at it again early, UNC has 53% wagers of all the ticket count uh on, on the point spread. Yeah. Uh, forty-eight percent of the money on the money line outright win. Uh, Duke has fifty-nine percent of all the tickets and sixty-four percent of money on the money line, and so it's it's close. It is close, and that's that's a great thing when we were having you know equal opinions on this great Final Four matchup. You know, not too bad for Hubert Davis's first season as head coach, huh, Ali.
0: No, not at all. And this is a UNC team that you know we were thinking. Back in February, are they even going to make the the tournament? And then they came out at the end of the regular season, and they just literally blew through the competition, especially beating Duke on that last game of the regular season. Like I said, they kind of fell fell short in the ACC tournament. But, gosh, they really have just – I mean, beating Baylor, beating UCLA, really they have just a big best of a resume as any other team – in this final four. I think actually that they have the best resume of the caliber of teams they beat in this final four. What about you?
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And I think we could point towards, you know, again, I, I love looking at how, you know, what, what the current form is of a program. They're absolutely top, top peak right now of of all those remaining. Uh, Brady Manick, man, he's been vital to the team's success, you know, especially during this tournament, you know, he scored, I think he had 19. Um, in, in the last game against, it's against St. Peter's. And then ultimately, look, I, I just have UNC's ratings better. I, I, and look, they've been underrated. When they lost to Pitt, everyone just pretty much said, okay, goodbye, get out of here. I, and I think they've been underrated ever since that loss. So, you know, you, you, we, I touched on a little bit about rotation, right? And so right now, UNC's rotation is basically, you know, six athletes. That's it. You know, sometimes seven, but they're basically rolling with six other guys on UNC, you know, quite frankly, they're just bad. Uh, but those that are in the rotation, they, I think they match up very well against Duke. I, I don't I don't think that there is much line value from a betting perspective. But, you know, to me, I think that four should probably be a three, maybe even a two and a half. Uh, so, I, I w- again, I'm, I'm leaning dog here, Allie.
0: Oh, I wish I could. I, I'm not going to bet. <laughs> I said I don't bet for my teams and I don't bet against them. But in my picks that I published yesterday, I did t- I did lay the points with Duke. Only because I think it's going to come down to the last two minutes of the game. I think we might get into foul shots. And I think, you know, this could go back to being only a one, two point difference until the final few seconds. And then Duke just goes crazy shooting those free throws at the end. But also, again, I got to listen to the basketball gods. I think that they're, they're laying down the framework for Coach K to make it back to the finals. From a Vegas standpoint, you know, four points is a lot to give UNC, given how they've been playing. It's a lot. And that's why just to me, I think I'm going to lay the points. I, I think that it to me, even those, even though those four points are juicy to take, I'm not going to take the bait and I'm going to lay the points. Tell me I'm wrong on that one.
1: <laughs> no, 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 I refuse. I cannot do this anymore. I'm the last person to say anyone <laughs> is wrong. Uh, I, I, I see your, your logic uh, and I definitely follow your analysis. And I look, they, they've made it this far. And I think that. You know the the program is, you know, you know clearly we've got them the favorite for a reason, and you know even if you look at it from a futures perspective, you know they're right now the number one choice uh, in in the book right now for odds to win the entire tournament. So I I, I can't I I can't go against that that line of thinking, Ali.
0: Well, at least we disagree on something here. So. <laughs> So you like UNC with the points. I, I'm i not betting. Again, I'm not betting. I said I don't bet for and I don't bet against my team. But if I were to tell you who I le- I lean towards, I'm laying the points with Duke. When it comes to the total, again, I think that 151 is juicy and I want to take the over. We saw how many points they scored over 170 their last time facing each other. But I think this team, these two teams are more buttoned up this time around on defense and i'm i'm leaning under what's your t- thoughts on the total
1: right yeah the wise choice is is to look at under only again because of their form and, and how they've been playing three pointers have been hard to come by right and if you're missing threes uh you're, you're leading more towards you know larger easier transition baskets so those threes become twos uh and, and that lean toward that leans far more to the under. Where i thought that the, the Nova Kansas game is going to go over 133 just because, man, that's way too low. Uh, you know, I, I can't see North Carolina and Duke getting to 151 either.
0: No, no, it should be a really good game. Like I said, I think it's going to be close all game. I think Duke's going to end up pulling away at the end. And I think we're going to have, you know, a Duke, we're going to have a full Duke versus Kansas finals. You would have liked, I know Roy Williams would have liked to see in a UNC Kansas finals <laughs> sitting in the crowd, but I think it's, you know, I probably should have thought more about having the Blue Devils instead of Gonzaga go represent the final four. Just knowing that, hey, it is Coach K's year and the basketball gods do like to play with us, but hey, we've had a hell of a tournament and I will root for Coach K this time around. I think he's one of the best college coaches of all time i don't think anyone will disagree with that if not the best so hey he should go out on top what do you think
1: no i i I agree he's he's you know clearly in in the mount rushmore of Mm -hmm. of greatest leaders you know from from a a sports (laughs) a sports management perspective there's no doubt about it what he's done in his career is is basically unparalleled
0: Yeah. So before we end the show, uh, I know we played this when we were going with our Super Bowl scenarios and I really enjoyed it. So I wanted to play it again because you are the odds maker. But let's guess the odds of the potential for finals matchups. Do you got any odds for me?
1: Absolutely. Uh, This is tons of fun. So, again, we're looking at uh, my adjusted power ranks where, you know, the programs are to this day. And I factored in all things such as uh, peak form, uh, tournament performance, roster, and current point spreads of the final four matchup. So Kansas and Duke, Kansas and Duke, which is just by odds alone, the most likely scenario.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, that that's my pick right now to get to the finals. Um, Duke's going to be favored. Uh, I would say... It's similar to like a North Carolina, I'd say four
1: and a half. Well, you got yourself a position because this one would come out pick.
0: Would it? Wow.
1: Kansas and Duke would be pick.
0: Interesting. <laughs> no, that that that's crazy because I, I think Duke is by far the superior team. Wow. So
1: so now this kind of unfolds and and gives you an opportunity for huge value as we move forward. So now if let's say UNC beats Duke.
0: What's the line on
1: Kansas and UNC?
0: So that I, I think Kansas, uh, Kansas, I knew Kansas was going to be favored that game even before you gave me the line. I mean, I might be wrong once I hear the spread, but I'd say Kansas uh, favored by two
1: more four and a half.
0: Really? So yes. I need to switch those up. Okay. I mean, I can see the logic behind that. If you're putting Kansas as a pick'em with Duke, you know, we put the four points. Uh, I think UNC matches up a little better than Kansas. I would th- take UNC with the, with the points, but okay. Okay. I, I, see, I see you on that one.
1: All right. So now on the other side, um, Villanova and the, the spirit of more. <laughs> Villanova and Duke. Villanova and Duke.
0: Uh, Duke has to be a heavy favorite on this one. Um, I'd say Duke minus five and a half.
1: Ooh, that's very, very high. Duke minus one.
0: Oh gosh! So that's an so so Kansas and Duke's a pick'em, and then Duke and Villanova is only a minus one. Interesting,
1: right? And so now the final matchup would be Villanova and UNC.
0: <sighs> well, given what you told me, that has to be a pick'em. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it took me to the last one. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, before I was leaning UNC minus one and a half. And then once you were giving me the other ones, I was thinking, pick them. So, yeah. Okay. I I, I mean, that's the least likely of all the scenarios um, or who knows. Maybe uh, w- that's what we've seen in this tournament. What's the least likely that's going to happen because it's going to happen. <laughs> so that could be the thing that happens. Um, I would love to see that. I would love to see UNC take on Jay Wright and the Wildcats, but for me, I'm leaning Duke and Kansas in the finals. Is that what you're going for?
1: I, I, I would be with you there, yes.
0: Well, I know we are in for a spectacular weekend of NCAA basketball. I don't think we could have asked for two better Final Four matchups right now. Obviously, UNC and Duke is by far going to be the most watched game, like I said earlier, of the entire tournament. I really think it's going to be a close game come down to the end. I think all the fans deserve that. Kansas-Villanova, I'll try to get excited for. It, even though It is a great matchup. Like, don't get me wrong. It's just hard to get excited for it. I'd like to see Villanova ultimately prevail, but I do think they're still going to keep it close. So I th- do think you're in for two close matchups. And then in the finals, I think any of these four matchups are just going to be entertaining to watch and going to be very close to the end. And that's the end of another March Madness uh, tournament where my bracket was dead upon arrival. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert, any final thoughts you have of the potential matchups and uh, this weekend, the the games coming on Saturday and then ultimately the finals on Monday.
1: No, if, if anything, I mean, again, we, I'm just really thrilled to have seen how all of this plays out. Just, you know, my mind can just kind of ticks a little bit differently because I I'm, I'm constantly looking at how a margin would play itself out. I had a, a, a deep in-depth complex conversation with my, my manager about the differences between betting uh, futures and having your money tied up versus doing a rolling parlay at the start of the tournament. Right. And so there was math involved in that. Like, for example, if you would have bet hundred dollars initial stake on North Carolina, um, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at $1,260 now. And then with a win on Saturday, you're at almost $3,500. Wow. So, you know, you know, to me, that, that would have been just like one really huge you know, extreme difference between doing uh, a money line rollover, you know, versus, you know, you know, playing into a future pool. But then again, if you're just timing it right, and you're looking at how a program plays, those there's are eb, there's ebbs and flows. You know, like when they lost to Pitt, could have gotten North Carolina at 65 to one, right? And so that no, no amount of rolling over would have matched that number. Uh, you know, in in the end, I'm just really happy to just you know speak this out into a microphone with you and, and just you know, have you listen to me because if I'm just yeah. kind of talking to myself, there you know that that's a problem. Once I start answering myself. So that's where I'm starting to see a little bit of a problem. So I'm really happy for these each week.
0: <laughs> no, it, it's been fun, and I really enjoy talking about this with you as well. You know, you and I can go off for hours and hours, just <laughs> lines and a- analysis and spreads and money lines and totals. It's fun. It's it's what I love. It's it's what we both do for a living. You know, this is this is it. This is this is the best of college basketball at its finest. And I'm sad to see it end at the same time. But uh, just a quick preview for next week's show. You know, we won't have college basketball to talk about. We'll give a big recap, though, of the finals. I know everyone will want to hear where we were right, where we were wrong. And I hope it is that close of a game that we can really talk about and break down and get into. But we do have the NBA finals coming up and the NHL finals uh, playoffs, I should say. Well, the finals will be coming up, but not from later on. But next week, we will start getting into the NBA playoffs, Uh, a little bit of the NHL playoffs. But I know people mostly want to be talking about the NBA playoffs because it is more exciting at the end. And just, you know, more people watch the NBA than the NHL. So we'll start talking that. uh, We might preview the NFL draft because that's coming up. And I'm one of the few I do bet the NFL draft. I do love betting the NFL draft. So we'll get into some odds of who we think is going to go first, how many quarterbacks this and that, but we do have some exciting things coming up to bet. And before I conclude, uh, Robert, any last thoughts?
1: Oh, no, no. Again, um, I'm just really grateful for this time. And yeah, without a doubt, for those listening in, you're definitely going to want to tune into next week's episode to just, just to hear my top five for you know, odds to win this NBA championship. Let's just say right now, as a quick teaser, uh, what the current odds are and what my list is are strikingly different.
0: Oh, wow. We might have to get our CEO on board for that one. To see where <laughs> his, his bucks land on that. Yes. <laughs> I know he has them repeating. I'm not too sure about it, but <laughs> I know we'll have a Zen Sports uh, NBA bracket coming up. So I definitely will not be picking the bucks, but hey, who knows? I do know I do love betting the NBA when it comes to the playoffs. I don't bet the red the NBA in the regular season. There's too many late scratches nowadays, and NBA season basketball, regular season basketball, is just it's it's not as exciting. You know, players don't play their hardest every game. I you know I hate to admit it, but it is true. So playoff basketball is a whole different thing in the NBA, and it's one that betters I know really hone in on. And they like to see spreads. They like to see the totals, even the money line. And the series bets. I actually, re- I actually bet on series for the NBA playoffs more than I bet on the regular games. And we'll get more into that on why I do that next week. But now we ran out of time. I, again, you and I can just talk about this forever.
1: <laughs> it's, it's incredible how fast this one went.
0: It is. Uh, thank you again, though, Robert. And thanks to our audience for listening. And we will talk next week. Take care.